listening to the Ed Reach Network. I don't know why it did that. Always something, Barry. Always something happens. <laughs> Ed Gamer, episode 146 on Ed Reach, a tour of the American Museum of Natural History with Barry Joseph. This is Ed Gamer for Thursday, November 6th, 6, 2014. Ed Gamer's part of the Ed Reach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. <laughs> a big voice. The show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We will give you the education angle on any type of games, ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Jerry. And I'm also Jerry. No, wait. I'm Barry Joseph, (laughs) the Associate Director for Digital Learning Youth Initiatives at the American Museum of Natural History here in New York City, which is a long way of saying um, live in the dream. (laughs) Jerry? Uh, my name is Jerry James, and I'm a visual arts teacher in Schaumburg, Illinois. And my name is Zach Gilbert, and I'm your host. I'm a sixth grade social studies language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. And my lips, I don't know what's going on, Jerry. It could be that it's a Thursday. It's 8.30 at night. It's 9.30 where Barry's at. It's getting past my bedtime. Yeah, yeah it's getting up there. It's like, uh, I don't know, and Barry, thank you for joining us, and especially uh, considering it is 9.30 at night there, and uh, being parents. We stay up all night. That's fine. Oh, well, there you go. Where'd you, I'm, I'm in the sleep. There, that makes sense. That makes sense. Jerry's uh, in the second city, yep. near the city, and I'm, just, and I'm just normal. <laughs> well. Wait, where's the ding, ding? Yeah. So, hey, um, so it doesn't seem... Oh, jeez, that wasn't delayed at all. There we go. So it seems that... Oh, my goodness. I've got to get the doorbell. Pizza's here. Pizza's here. Uh, Game Club has been taken off, Jerry and and Barry. Um, I've been averaging averaging between 50 and 60 kids every other Friday after school for Game Club. That's awesome. And it's been a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, I'm glad I have help from some parents. I have some help from other teachers, and it's just been, it's been really exciting. So we have, we have a game club tomorrow night, and we'll have some board games. We'll have some digital games. Uh, Civilization being one of those, I'll, I'll jump back to that. But uh, we also are going to have a family tabletop day, and that'll be on a Saturday. And I'm hoping that we get a large turnout for that because it's and it's non-digital. It's all board games, tabletop games. Which what, what, is what do you, what's the most exciting new one you've added to the mix? Um, it, it's it's not really a, a new game, but it's one that's taken off with the kids. Is uh, Snake Oil? That one, uh, Jerry, you've played that too, right? Yeah, talked about that before. Yep. It's it's kind of a. Um, uh, it's similar to apples to apples, and uh, but you're trying to sell your combination of cards, putting those together, and creating a yeah. uh, something new, and, and and selling it to the to the main subject of the card that's drawn down. Um, kind of like with apples to apples, except you're you're creating it and sharing it, and they the combination of cards are hilarious, and the kids just they crack up, and it's just so much fun. Um, you know, when you can, it's yours. Stay, what else? 
there you go. <laughs> so that's been that's been a lot of fun. But I got a really solid group of kids that are playing Civilization Four, and they are really getting into that. I want to have them start looking into creating their own scenarios, learning some Python, um, and I think that would be that would be really cool. They would enjoy that. So, in fact, I have a Jerry. I have a, uh, a doctoral student that I met with last weekend, and he's doing a games and learning um, uh, research paper. Nice. Uh, his dissertation, and so he's trying to gather up some information. He's coming tomorrow, and listen, and kind of watching the game club and seeing what's going on there. So that's that's exciting. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. In Illinois, the Huskies. Yeah. The Huskies. Not far from Evanston, wait, right? You have a you have a husky down there? No, no, he's coming down here. He's driving down here. Yeah, so he's from NIU though. Yeah, he's at NIU. Yeah, he's up there. Talk later, because I might know who that is. Okay, there's a couple. There's a few of them. So, yeah, it's a it's a good group. It's a good group up there. There's nice. a lot of digital learning going on at Northern Illinois University. Hey. Oh, yeah. the, the first article I saw here, because this is something I've not spent money on, speaking of civilization, is a rock, paper, shotgun uh, article on civilization beyond Earth. And basically, the short and sweet of it is that uh, I think a lot of people wanted this to be Sid Meier's Alpha Centauri, uh, you know, a, um, a sequel. And it wasn't. And it's it's okay, but it's not. It's not great. Let's put it that way. It's Civilization Five is a great game. They just added added a little layer on top of it and changed it up a little bit, and it's okay. So if you like Civ Five, this isn't a bad one to get, but nothing nothing new and groundbreaking, I would say. So that's something I might be holding off and purchasing. Um, good old games, which is kind of a competitor to. Uh, Steam, uh, they take older games. They they have released some games, some original Star Wars uh, digital games, X-Wing and TIE Fighter, and I spent many hours playing these games. TIE Fighter was one that, I think that was one of the first games that we tried to um, connect and play. I don't know if there was... This says single player. I'm I'm thinking one of these was uh, maybe it was X-wing, a multiplayer where we try to use crossover cables, Ethernet cables, <laughs> trying to connect to each other. And I know we did that for the 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 last one here, which was Icewind Dale, and which is kind of similar to Baldur's Gate. And so these these games are on good old games, and I think they're all 9.99 each. See, so they've updated them or 19. Ooh, now oh so. I think it was nine 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 ninety nine, but they uh, they might have been on sale. So now it's nineteen ninety nine, but that's still not bad. They've updated the games and and they're a lot of fun. So that's a good role playing game. And if you're into the Star Wars thing, then this might be something that would interest you. And it's not super expensive. And they released the new movie uh, is going to be released December of twenty fifteen. So Barry, are you a Star Wars fan? I'm actually I'm talking to you camped out online at the moment. <laughs> camped out what, What's going on? Starting okay. Early. Early. Huh? I'm just starting early. Getting excited. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, yeah, these are these are some good games. I'll put the links in the show notes, and uh, we'll go from there. So our our, our guest tonight, Barry Joseph, Associate Director for Digital Learning Youth Initiatives at the American Museum of Natural History. Now, when I first met you, it was at GLS, and the thing that struck me first was your business card. Hmm. Which, which card did I have? I, I think it was the pterodactyl. Oh, the pterosaurs. Great. Oh, pterosaurs. Oh, see? Mm. See, I need to be correct. Sorry. The pterosaurs. No, no, the pterodactyl, it's just one type. I don't know which one I gave you. So the... The, the type of creature is a pterosaur. The pterodactyl might have been the type of pterosaur I gave you. Oh. I, but, what, I, I know. but what struck you about the card? I'm interrupting you. I'm sorry. No, no. What struck you no. about the card? It was, just, it was unique. And then you had uh, a download for iOS on there. And uh, um, I, you know what? I don't know if I've ever I, – I think I gave it to my daughter. I don't know. I don't think I ever did it. What was it? Oh, you don't know what it did? No, I, th I think I gave it to my daughter. <laughs> I said, here you go. I will now reveal to you the secret of the card. Oh, no. When you hold the pterosaur card out, yeah. and you hold your phone on top of it, Yeah. so the picture is a, is a beautiful art of a pterosaur, like the most scientifically up-to-date, accurate version. We had a show that opened. And, uh, this past spring, it's still open now through January. If you're in New York, come check it out. Everything you ever want to know about pterosaurs. And you look at the card, which is from our, our card game, Pterosaurs, the card game, which you can ah. see at aimandh.org slash pterosaurs game. And what you will see is, if it's the pterodactyl, you will see the pterodactyl fly off the card. What? You'll see it flap. You'll see it land. You might see it go for fish. You might... See it running. Every pterosaur in the game um, that has a special marking on it is augmented. And with the app, the free download app, you can see, understand pterosaur locomotion, something that you don't get when you look at the photo. You know, how did they actually fly? How did they actually walk? You know, they, they, they're, they're walking on their elbows. It's really unusual. It's not what you expect. They're really... Uh-oh. Experience that with the augmentation. So, like other good uses of augmentation, it lets you see something you otherwise couldn't see. So you can learn something from it or experience something awesome. So when I was going to GLS, Games Learning and Society, one of my favorite conferences, um, I was really excited because we just finished the game. And so I changed my my business card so that I could pass out those targets, those visual targets for the augmentation, so that you can bring home the experience. And give it to your kids. If so, that's awesome. But you got to experience it. There it is. That's the card. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So now I go. feel. Okay. So yeah. I found it. Okay. Uh, ter uh, Terranodon longiceps. I butchered Okay. That. <laughs> yeah. Terranodon. You got it. Okay. There we go. You ready? Let's watch his face. I have a pterosaur in his hand. Not life. What am I doing? Hold the app up. I gotta get it. Oh. So I don't think we <laughs> yeah, can do it. Could we actually do this on, on from right, the camera? We plan this in advance. We plan this in advance. No, so you, I you, need you, a you, like this? 
Yeah, but if, well, yeah, but you're not gonna see, you're not gonna see what I see. Like I can see it. Let me see. <laughs> there, <laughs> Tell me what you see, Barry. Great. It looks awesome. It's flapping <laughs> its arms, and it looks great. So, so what I can do is hold on, bring it back. I'm gonna take a screenshot. Okay. Oh, oh, just close. <laughs> Let's see. Well, hold on. There we go. Can you get it in? There we go. It's beautiful with your face. Right, and tap that. See if I can do this. Take the photo. All right, I got the photo. Okay. So send it. To you. you can post it. Okay. Nothing <laughs> like hey, live. Oh, now I can see it. here we go. I can show you. That's the image. Of course, it's not flying. It's the whole point is you are flying. Okay, but we get the flying. idea. That's pretty cool. Get the idea. Yeah, and it has nothing to do with the game. It has nothing to do with the game. <laughs> I want to be really clear. This is a card game you play out of the deck, inspired by Pokemon type things. It's using Philo, philogames.org, a really nice system for building games. We, we, we adapted the mechanic. But we said, oh my gosh, how can we not leverage these incredible assets the museum has for the exhibit where we have these beautiful animations of them moving? Wouldn't it be great if we had a little small augmentation app where you can see them flying? Again, it has nothing to do with the game. In, in the future, and I can talk about these later, we want to bring them together. So the augmented experience is part of the game experience. But for us, it was a way just to experiment and see what would it look like? It would, does it really bring the awesome? And for us, you know, you can have, uh, there's an ice cream manufacturer where it's awesome and you, you look at the top of the ice cream pint and get an augmentation, but then you have nothing left but ice cream to eat. We wanted to then get your attention but then go deeper. And so in this case, you're learning something about how pterosaurs move, locomotion. But now the next step is how do we take that, go from the awe to the learning, and then embed that into the game so it's actually part of the game experience. And, I think we figured out uh, one way to do that that we'll be developing in the next um, eight months. Uh, but that's a segue to a new topic. I won't go there yeah, too already. No, I mean, and, and my first thought is Oculus Rift. <laughs> you are the pterosaur. I mean, that, you know, I mean, that's, you know, we've always said that, uh, you know, holodecks and things like that are would be the ultimate yeah. in, uh, you know, education and, and simulations, so... So you, got, you have this wonderful... Well, if I can say, if you don't mind, since we're talking about that, if you come to the exhibit, <laughs> uh, the most popular aspect is called Flap, Fly Like a Pterosaur. And using uh, a Kinect-style box, you stand there and you flap your hands, and okay. you control the pterosaur on the screen. And you fly up, you fly down, and you're trying to you know, catch the fish or catch the bugs and not crash into things. So, you know, a few years will be Oculus Rift. Right now it's Kinect. But yes, that's like bring it into the game space, Get that immersive, embodied experience so you feel connected with it and let you experience what it's like. And couldn't agree more. That is That's that is really cool. Uh, aerodynamically, are, are the pterosaurs, are they, I mean, are they pretty close to perfect? Uh, close to perfect? They could fly. They could um, fly. I mean, I don't know they, what the most aerodynamic they, bird would be out there, but is the pterosaur <laughs> pretty good? There are many um, ways that um, uh, different species have evolved towards flight or gliding. Um, pterosaurs are, are one of a number, um, and they could do it. They could fly and catch food. They can catch fish, um, and they were able to integrate it into um, a healthy lifestyle until they were they were all snuffed out. Yeah, that's uh, you know, as asteroids and you know meteors and. Forget you. Yeah. Forget you. Yeah, so yeah, I, I you have this long title. What does it include? I mean, you have uh, 
we got the changing of the hats here, Jerry. Uh, so what is it? Uh, it? It seems, do you wear many hats at the yeah, museum? Oh, you found the metaphor. You got it. That's right. It took a while. Many hats. You got it. It's, it's good. It's good. The, the, the place I stepped into just over two years ago at the museum, um, for me, is tremendously exciting. I, I grew up playing video games and television and adventure games on the, the, the early Apple II clones and whatnot. And so for me, th that kind of informal learning is part of what really excited me and drove a lot of my interests and passions. Um, at the same time, I, ooh, you're gone. Oh, there you go. Uh, being oh, at the museum as a kid was such an exciting place to go and explore and go into these dark rooms and explore gems and minerals with my sister or go see the dinosaurs. And so to get to go and be in this museum, which is all about interest-driven learning, you come because you really want to learn something, and getting to explore how digital media can create new pathways for people to explore and make personal connections with the, the content uh, um, is a, you know, a dream's dream for me. Um, and so one part of my um, professional life as an educator for the past 14 years has been around games-based learning. And it's, and it's been about how do we work with young people to develop games and games literacy as a way to engage them around, uh, engage them and develop their interests around other topics. Um, for many years, social topics, now topics around in, informal science. And at the same time, how can we have these games be resources for others, uh, educators, individuals who want to learn more about the topic, so they're having fun learning, but at the same time, they're, they're engaged with something else beyond the game, even if that's not what they came for. Um, and so now at, at the museum, um, gaming is one of many things um, that we're interested in, in, in exploring to see what these new opportunities are for bringing in new young people to the museum who don't identify with it as a place for them, um, as a place for them to discover new things and discover new parts of who they are and shape their identity, as well as create new opportunities for participatory learning for the youth who are already deeply engaged in our educational programs. Most people, when they think about the museum, if they haven't been, they think about, you know, Night at the Museum, and they think about Dum uh, Dum and Pocahontas, who I'm sorry to say, do not exist in the museum. They're not real. They're just in the movie. But the experience <laughs> of the museum and that awe of being with these incredible dioramas, they feel like they come to life when you're there. They're really remarkable. But that's only one part of what the museum's about. We have literally hundreds of scientists who are on staff uh, advancing knowledge um, uh, every day. Um, you can read about them in the newspapers, not just in the science journals. Um, and they're a resource for all of us. You know, many of us know about Neil deGrasse Tyson. Maybe you saw the, the Cosmo show that he did recently on Fox. But, but they're active in all these places. But another area that's part of the museum, which is where I work, is in the education department. And we have thousands of young people of all ages, from pre-K through college, who come for weekend programs, after-school programs, summer camps. And that's where I work. And it's in that space that we're trying to figure out what are the best opportunities for bringing in digital media whether it's digital fabrication, whether it's game design, whether it's mobile learning, whether it's using the digital tools scientists already are using and making them accessible to students to help them understand, on one hand, what do scientists actually do, and also teach them that, that content. So it's, it's an exciting job um, that lets me help build on the foundation that the museum has established uh, over, the, over the past decade in this space, looking at things like virtual worlds, for example. We have young people who get to program space tours in our, our fully digital dome and then get to drive it. It's called flying. It's called digital flight school. And their family and friends get to come in and they get to travel around the universe and through their own show. Really amazing work. Um, and so in recent years, we've had many things to explore. And we're, we're talking about gaming today. 
gaming has been one of them. And one of the first things I wanted us to explore when I came to the museum, and the museum picked up right away, was how can we use games to recontextualize the museum experience? How do we take a, an exhibit around poison, let's say, and then create something in Minecraft that mimics the same type of experience one would get within the hall, but engage them in the way that Minecraft can, so that when they actually go into the hall, they have new ways of thinking about the content and new questions that the young people might want to ask. Museums have really <laughs> changed since I was a kid, and I don't know how old you are, but I'm guessing we're similar in age, and the most exciting thing that would happen when you go to the museum, the newest thing that came out was I could get headsets and plug in and push a button, oh my goodness, <laughs> push a button and I could hear, you know, what the scene was, the scene that was taking place. And that was the most interactive that you could get was having those headphones. And now, and, and all that information was stored locally. It wasn't able to get it outside of the museum. You actually had to go to the museum. Well, to we the have to create things that are unique about being in the museum space in our digital right. age. You know, a hundred years ago, 19, you know, 19-teens, if you wanted to explore cultures from around the world or understand what extinct mammals might have been like, you came to the museum. And it yeah. was like going to this incredible event. And the dioramas were these like dramatic moments that you can experience, and it was like you were traveling to some place, and part of what the museum curator's job was about was about transporting people into these other places, not to the museum per se, but the museum as portal. But now, when you can watch Jurassic Park and experience what might, have, and imagine what it's like to be around dinosaurs, when you can actually travel to these locations around the world and actually meet people in people, meet people in person, museums like ours, which are natural history museums, which is to say, they are object-based. We have collections. We have tens of millions of objects in our collections. We have one million spiders, for example. How do we get people to want to see the original object? Not just the 3D one you can see on your phone. Not just a, a simulation in a movie. Not just one that you can interact with in a video game. But how can you actually want to see that original? And more importantly, how do we train people to have the museum literacy they need so when they're looking at that object in the museum, they know how to look at it. They know why it's important. They know how to value it. And they know how to have a personal connection with it. We did a program over the summer with a group of high school students, uh, urban youth, many who had never been to museums before, and most not to our own. And we worked with content from our oldest hall. It opened in 1903, so over 100 years ago. And when people walk through the hall, they say crazy things to us. They say they think the objects were from the time of the dinosaur which there's a lot of things they're confused about there, right? But I think they're, they're from, you know, thousands of years old. They, they just don't know what these objects are. And they're, they're, it's a magnificent collection, a world-class collection uh, of cultural treasures from communities from the northwest of Canada, in places like the Haida Nation, for example, and the Kwakwakiwa. And so these young people came in, and they told us what, what of the cultural treasures interested them. And they researched and that we're doing a project with them. But we never would have expected that this particular hat or that particular spoon that's carved out of a, out of a, a ram's horn and, and is so intricately detailed with all these different stories you can interpret if you knew how to look at it. They learned how to look at these objects, and as a result, they grew passionately connected to them. But most people who walk through the hall have no idea what it is. The, the light's low. There's not a lot of signage, and they walk right past it. And so for us in the, in the digital age, digital tools afford us new ways to create those connections. 
for visitors. And going back to games, games are one of those uh, new avenues that, that we're interested in exploring, both digital and analog. Do you have, I mean, I know some museums where they have tasks, it, it's task-oriented, where they go, you know, as you enter the museum, you students would have, uh, they'd go throughout the whole museum and complete tasks. Is that something that your museum has? Anything well, like that? So you can get to those different areas that you might not necessarily see. Right. Our museum is so large that I, I literally discover entire buildings. What? That I didn't know where they are. I'm not just talking about a room I didn't know. I was there a year and a half before I knew an entire building existed. There's, <laughs> the place is enormous. It's not one but dozens of buildings that have been added over the decades. And so every few oh, decades, my. a whole bunch of more buildings get added. And you, you, there might be a doorway that you walk past for a year, and you have no idea when you open it up. It's like an entire ornithology building that's six stories tall. So for the visitors, it's overwhelming. And so how do we help people move through the museum? Yeah. Not just go to what we know they want to come to, dinosaurs, outer space, and the whales. Like they're always going to do that. But what about everything else? And how do we get them to these dead-end spaces? And so we have you know, traditional things that museums do, scavenger hunts. Um, you, there's a sheet for the things that are in the movie night at the museum that you can see that takes you around, and our Explorer app, which was the, the first major app that, that, that we launched, really you know, tells you how to do two things. It, it tells you how to take these tours around the museum, and it tells you how to get to the bathroom. And it has this fantastic step-by-step -step guide, like on Google Maps, turn right, turn left, go up the staircase, go down. But that's just the beginning of, of thinking about how do we give people essentially a scaffolding to move them through in the way that yeah. your digital tool can be the guide. So what we're doing next year is taking that idea of how can we you know, digitally augment how people move through the museum and make it not just be a scavenger hunt to find something or just a, a guide, go from station A to station B, but actually embed it within a game. So you're playing a game and the game moves you through the museum. And it moves you to these unlikely spaces that you otherwise might not have ended up. And then once you're in these spaces, you can pause the game and look around and say, how did we get here? What is this place? What is it about? And then when you're ready, you can jump back into the magic circle of the game and keep playing as it, as it takes you through. And um, this game is one that lets us add a layer on top of the museum, both a, muse a game layer, but also a content layer. Most of the ways that we in the past and many museums think about tours is bring someone to something and have them observe it and look at it and learn how to think about it. But what we're trying to do is get them to t put a frame on, almost like a pair of glasses that's looking at a particular type of content, and then look at all the content in the museum from that perspective. So you, you can't guess where this game is going to take you because it can take you anywhere. And then once you get there, the, the questions are always going to be, well, how is the game going to help me view this exhibit in front of me from this particular content lens? And how am I going to have fun while I'm doing it? It sounds like you have a lot on your plate. <laughs> you got a I'll lot of different more metaphors to play with. I'm still working on the hats. Yeah, so yeah, no more plates. Don't don't balance any plates or toss them or do whatever you need to do there. Uh, if how does let's start from us being over all the way in the Midwest. How can we use what is online? Are there things online that I would be able to use as a teacher uh, for the uh, you know for the American uh, Museum of Natural History? Right, so it's a really fantastic question. So as we think about the role that digital media plays for us to create new layers of interpretation for visitors to the museum, what new opportunities does it create for us to let people connect with content from mm -hmm. the museum without coming to it? 
so for example, you can not only buy your own copy of the Pterosaurs game at amnh.org slash pterosaurs, you can also download it for free and print it out. You can watch the videos of the students playing who instruct you how to do it. You can print out the instructions and, and whatnot. And you can even do the augmentation we talked about before without the cards. We, we give you the images right on the screen of the Pterosaurs. So the Pterosaurs game for us was an interesting experiment on how do we push the content out. So if your listeners want us to be able to produce more content for people who can't come to the museum, download as many copies of the PDF as you can, buy as many copies of the game as you can, because it's a test case for us. But that's just the beginning. I mean, it's not like we haven't been putting out stuff for youth and teachers before. We, uh, 14 years ago, launched the Ology site, um, which is really rich content developed with the scientists. Everything on the site was written by or done with the scientists. And you can watch videos of the scientists talking about their work, doing their work, uh, really nice puzzles and interactives or even activities you can, you can download. Um, and so that was our beginning of, I think, our first major experiment, pushing stuff out to teachers um, in the gaming space. We do other stuff as well. There's new stuff on Khan Academy and Coursera and other stuff like you know, this MOOC space. To, to educate people. We've had seminars on science to train teachers for a number of years. But again, in the gaming space, this is new for us. It's new for us to think about what does it mean for us to have our Minecraft at the Museum program where youth are developing science experiences in Minecraft based on their interpretation of what they've learned in our halls and meeting with our scientists. Can we take that far enough where those things can be opened up to the public? Can we have a Minecraft space where anybody can come in and not go to the real AMH Museum, but the Minecraft version of it, or the interpretation of it within Minecraft. And what if, in fact, it's not just them visiting what our youth have made, what if they're building it as well? What if we're challenging them to add to it and build this science space? What might they do with it? Where, where might it go? Um, I can go on and on. So there's so many opportunities yeah. to, to create ways to engage with teachers and engage with students who aren't in school, who are passionate about something and say, I'm really interested in microbiomes. I'm interested in um, astrophysics. What can I do at the Museum of Natural History online or through this app um, that will give me an opportunity to go deeper into this content and explore it in a new and exciting way? Well, that sounds... It's, it's wanting me to dig in more um, to the website and seeing what I might be able to use, but also what teachers in, you know, in my local area could use, too. Uh, that's that's pretty cool. And you, you do have, um, you know, <laughs> I know the, the movie, the famous movie, Night at the Museum, is, um, you know, it's a fun movie. And as soon as I told my, my girls that who I was interviewing, where you worked, they were just like, whoa, that, I mean, getting them sucked in, I mean, that's, that's, that's the first part, right? So if that helps out with that, great. Let's get them in. Now let's see that, and you're blowing my mind with all the cool things that can be done. Uh, not only with the website, but also when you're there, and I think that's that's huge. So we have some ideas on what can be done for us that are outside of of New York. But what are what are two things that, if you come to the museum for a day, what are the two things that you would do or recommend for people to do when they showed up to the museum that would be interactive and and exciting and would people would learn a lot? Well, stuff that we have now. Yeah. How many hours do we have for the show? <laughs> it's just so much. I know two, two two things. Just two things that you you have to do. You have to do. Three words: Neil, the grass, Tyson. Yeah. 
he narrates our new show, which oh. he helped develop, Dark Universe, which is in the Dome. It's an incredible experience. You'll never think about the universe in the same way again. Is it's it incredible. based off this the series, kind of the, the same visual and, and concept? Even better. Even better. Even better. I have to wow. say that. Even better. Even better. That's, that's, that's worth it right there because I thoroughly enjoyed the show. But then the other thing I'd say is, on one angle, we're talking about the most cutting-edge technology in the museum, you know, the, the, this digital, you know, uh, terrarium dome, right? On the other hand, go back to the hall from 1903. Yeah. Go to this hall and see what remarkable masks, for example, were created within these communities, which look like a bird beak, and then open up and transform, and it's a man's face inside. And you can see the strings and the incredible... And you can then imagine watching somebody at night in the longhouse, standing around the fire with the smoke, bursting out through it, doing a dance with some sounds or some gestures, and then transforming into this other being, a supernatural creature. And imagine that drama and, and excitement, which is just as exciting and just as informative as the space show. But this is an example of something... From, from a culture which is still around on the yeah. northwest coast and reviving these traditions and we're able to help contribute to that because we've had this repository of objects they can now come back uh, and see and study through our incredible collection and so I think combining those two uh, would be a remarkable experience for anybody and for me I come in in the morning before the museum opens up I get my bagel I now have to walk literally three blocks in the museum to get to my office and I get oh this, which hall am I going to walk through and have all to myself and my breakfast? I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. That, that is super cool. That is super cool. Jerry? Yeah, that's amazing. It's amazing. I, it's, Very cool. I think we need to take a road trip. Come. Sounds good to me. Come. Yeah, By the time I, you come, we'll have some games to test with you. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And then uh, will you be at GLS this year? This coming I, year? I, I, I never want to miss GLS. So I always say I plan to go. Am I going to go? Not sure, but I plan to be there. It's my favorite yeah. gaming conference, except for Games for Change, which I co-founded. So I have to say yeah, that too. Yeah, and that's that's one that uh, uh, a few of my friends have, have talked about uh, out east. Um, I know, um, I think Lucas Gillespie, Peggy Sheehy, I know those. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, of course, uh, um, um, oh, goodness, Joel Levin. Who I know you know well. And I knew and, you were going to say him. I should have just said it. You would have think, yeah. how do you know? So, uh, yeah, that's, it, it's, I think that's one, those yeah. are many good reasons to head out east and, 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 and see, yeah. see what's going on out there. But, yeah, it's in, GLS is in July. It's in July this year, this coming year. Yeah, they pushed it back. I'm not sure why. But yeah. it used to be in June, for those who don't know. And they both used to be in June, both both GLS and Games for Change. Yeah. And, and GLS has moved to July, and Games for Change has moved towards April. They're, they're, they're differentiating, huh. which makes it easier for people to go, I think. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that is good. That is good. Jerry, do you have any other que Do you have any questions? Oh, man, I'm good. That's very cool, very cool. I love the use of augmented reality. love the interactivity. It's very cool. Is it time for the instruments? <laughs> it's time for the instruments. <laughs> Barry, it sounds like you have a pretty good well, time at work. I wanna, I wanna go hang out with Barry at work. 
Yeah, I know. That's that's exactly. I, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I take well, all my uh, thank you, fellas. Well, thank you very much. And uh, there we go. Thank you very so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this week's Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on EdReach.us. So follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach Network. Have a great week.